Genesis chapter 41. I'm just going to read through it tonight because I'm not going to be going verse by verse through this chapter like I normally do. And so this this uh, this particular chapter, it's pretty much uh, just a straightforward story. I'm not going to be like revealing any super deep truths or anything tonight. But I want to pull a principle out of this uh, passage that hopefully will be a help and a motivation. So this will be uh, this won't be the typical Bible study type message, but let's go ahead and go through Genesis chapter 41 together. And it says, verse 1, And it came to pass at the end of two full years that Pharaoh dreamed, and behold, he stood by the river. And behold, there came up out of the river seven well-favored kind and fat-fleshed, and they fed in the meadow. And behold, seven other kind came up after them out of the river, ill-favored and lean-fleshed, and stood by the other kind upon the brink of the river. And the ill-favored and lean-fleshed kind did eat up the seven well-favored and fat kind, so Pharaoh awoke, and he slept and dreamed the second time, and behold, seven ears of corn came up upon one stalk, rank and good, and behold, seven thin ears blasted with the east wind sprung up after them, and the seven thin ears devoured the seven rank and full ears, and Pharaoh awoke, and behold, it was a dream. And it came to pass in the morning that his spirit was troubled, and he sent and called for all the magicians of Egypt and all the wise men thereof, and Pharaoh told them his dream. But there was none that could interpret them unto Pharaoh. Then spake the chief butler unto Pharaoh, saying, I do remember my faults this day. Pharaoh was wroth with his servants, and put me inward in the captain of the guard's house, both me and the chief baker. And we dreamed a dream, and one night I and he, and we dreamed each man according to the interpretation of his dream. And there was there with us a young man, an Hebrew servant, to the captain of the guard, and we told him, and he interpreted to us our dreams, to each man according to his dream he did interpret. And it came to pass, after he, was, after he interpreted to us, so it was, me he had restored unto mine office, and him he hanged. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him hastily out of the dungeon, and he shaved himself and changed his raiment, and came in unto Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I have a, dreamed a dream, and there is none that can interpret it. And I have heard say of thee that thou canst understand a dream to interpret it. And Joseph answered Pharaoh, saying, It is not in me. God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, In my dream, behold, I stood upon the bank of the river, and behold, there came up out of the river seven kind, fat-fleshed and well-favored, and they fed in a meadow. And behold, seven other kind came up after them, poor and very ill-favored and lean-fleshed, such as I never saw in all the land of Egypt for badness. And the lean and ill-favored kind did eat up the first seven fat kind. And when they had eaten them up, it could not be known that they had eaten them, but they were still ill-favored as the... As at the beginning, so I awoke, and I saw in my dream, behold, seven ears came up in one stalk, full and good, and behold, seven ears withered thin and blasted with the east wind sprung up after them, and the thin ears devoured the seven good ears, and I told this unto the magicians, but there was none that could declare it to me. And Joseph said unto Pharaoh, the dream of Pharaoh is one. God hath showed Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good kind, or seven years, and the seven good ears are seven years. The dream is one. And the seven ill, thin and ill-favored kind that came up after them are seven years. And the seven empty ears blasted with the east wind shall be seven years of famine. This is the thing which I have spoken unto Pharaoh. What God is about to do, he showeth unto Pharaoh. Behold, there come seven years of great plenty throughout all the land of Egypt. And there shall arise after them seven years of famine. And all the plenty shall be forgotten in the land of Egypt. And the famine shall consume the land, and the plenty shall not be known in the land by reason of the famine following it, for it shall be very grievous. And for that, the dream was doubled unto Pharaoh twice. It was because the thing is established by God, and God will shortly bring it to pass. Now, therefore, let Pharaoh look out a man discreet and wise and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh do this and let him appoint officers over the land and take up the fifth part of the land of Egypt in the seven plenteous years, and let them gather all the food of those good years that came that come, and lay up corn under the hand of Pharaoh, and let them keep food in the cities, and that food shall be for store to the land against the seven years of famine, which shall be in the land of Egypt, and the land that the land perish not through the famine. And the thing was good in the eyes of Pharaoh, and in the eyes of all his servants, and Pharaoh said unto his servants, Can we find such a one as this, a man in whom the Spirit of God is? And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, For as much as God hath showed thee all this, there is none so discreet and wise as thou art. Thou shalt be over my house, and according unto thy word 
shall all my people be ruled only in the throne will I be greater than thou. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, See, I have set thee over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh took off his ring from his hand and put it upon Joseph's hand and arrayed him in a vesture, in vestures of fine linen and put a gold chain about his neck. And he made him to ride in the second chariot, which he had, and they cried before him, Bow the knee, and he made him ruler over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without thee shall no man lift up his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh called Joseph's name Zaphnath-Paneah, and he gave him to wife Asenath, the daughter of Potiphar, priest of On. And Joseph went out over all the land of Egypt, and Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went throughout all the land of Egypt. And in the seven plenteous years, the earth brought forth by handfuls, and he gathered up all the food of the seven years which were in the land of Egypt and laid up the food in the cities, the food in the, of the field, which was round about every city, laid he up in the same. And Joseph gathered corn as the sand of the sea very much until he left numbering, for it was without number. And under Joseph were born two sons before the years of famine came, which Asenath, the daughter of Potiphar, priest of On, bare unto him. And Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh, for God, said he, hath made me to forget all my toil and all my father's house. And the name of the second called he Ephraim, for God hath caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. And the seven years of plenteousness that was in the land of Egypt were ended, and the seven years of dearth began to come, according as Joseph had said, and the dearth was in all the lands, but in all the land of Egypt there was bread. And when all the land of Egypt was famished, the people cried to Pharaoh for bread, and Pharaoh said unto all the Egyptians, Go unto Joseph, what he saith to you, do. And the famine was over all the face of the earth, and Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold unto the Egyptians, and the famine waxed sore in the land of Egypt, and all the countries came in into Egypt to Joseph for to buy corn, because that famine was so sore in all the land. So here we are now, Genesis chapter 41, and we just basically, uh, you know, the story speaks for itself. What happened? We saw last week in chapter 40 how Joseph had the ability to interpret these dreams. We see, uh, so last week we've already talked about prophetic dreams, and uh, basically chapter 40 leads into 41. It was because of the dreams he interpreted in the last chapter that Pharaoh was able to find out that there was somebody in the land that could interpret dreams, and it just happened to be somebody that was in prison. And what's neat about this story is when it gets to this chapter, all of a sudden now, this is when Joseph's probably figured out, hey, this is why all these bad things have happened. You know, this is where when we're reading this story, we start to see basically the fruit, you know, that uh, came from Joseph just waiting on God and being patient. I mean, it's very clear here that because of all the terrible things that happened to Joseph, that Joseph is now actually going to survive. And not only is he going to survive, but all of Egypt is going to be able to survive this famine. And later on, we're going to see him even save the lives of his entire family. So this is where the story starts to get good. It's been really bad for Joseph so far. I mean, he's had years of problems being sold by his brothers first, then being a, a, a slave, basically, for Potiphar, then being lied about by Potiphar's wife, and then finally to be thrown into prison. And so it's just been one bad thing after another. But now good things are finally starting to happen because God had a plan all along. I mean, there's no doubt you know, Joseph says later, God meant it for good. God had, some, God wanted to do something great in Joseph's life, and it's now being revealed to Joseph what God's about to do. But what I want to do, I want to draw your attention to verse 51, and this is where I want to, I get the main idea of the sermon tonight. The title tonight is "Forget and Be Fruitful." Forget and be fruitful. Look what it says in verse 51. Because remember, back in these days, you know, they often chose names. You know, they, their names often had meaning, and they did. They put a lot of thought, you know, into their children's names. You know, these days, we pretty much just name our kids names that we like or names that sound good. You know, I named my daughter Chloe after Chloe from Left Behind. I, I was reading the books around that time, and I, I really liked, I was like, that's a cool name, and we named Chloe after that. You know, most of them were just names that we liked. Um, they didn't have any special meanings, and they definitely didn't have anything prophetic. Uh, necessarily, uh, we didn't get any revelations when those kids were born and think, you know, let's name them this. Like they often did in the Bible. 
And, you know, maybe we ought to put a little more effort into those things. But uh, back then they really did. And, you know, uh, you know we, a lot of times it was, it was prophetic, the things that they would name their children. But in this case, when Joseph names his children, they had a very, it was a very special uh, name that he gave them because of basically what God had done for them, uh, done for him during that time. And so notice in verse 51, it says, And Joseph called the name of his firstborn Manasseh, for God said he hath made me to forget all my toil and my father's house. So notice it tells us why he named him, because God made him forget all that he had gone through. And that name Manasseh, it just means causing to forget. And so here he is. Now he's to the point in his life. Things are going good. He literally is the most second most powerful man in the world at that time. I mean, look at all the things that Pharaoh said to him. Hey, you're, you know, you're next to me. Nobody can do anything to you without getting to me. And Joseph was basically running the country. We see later where whenever people came to Pharaoh, hey, what are we going to do? What did he do? He said, go to Joseph. Whatever he says, do it. I mean, Joseph was running the country during that time you know he's got a wife he's now having children and joseph has now forgotten in other words you know i'm sure there were probably some times where he was down and he was bitter because of what he had gone through but joseph has now forgotten and then goes on in verse 52 in the name of his second child call he ephraim for god hath caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction and the name Ephraim means double fruit. So not only had Joseph forgotten about all that he had gone through, about all the difficulties, all the betrayal, all the hurt, but Joseph has moved on and he's now being fruitful. He's accomplishing great things. And so this is an amazing story where we start to see why God allowed all these things to happen. Because there's, I, I, there's no doubt that there were probably many times when Joseph was calling out to God and just asking, Lord, why would you let me suffer like this? Lord, why am I going through something like this? There's no doubt Joseph prayed that many times. But, you know, the truth is, um, you know, we know that God allowed Joseph to suffer the way he did because and we know that all things work together for good to them who love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. Now, Joseph, he understood that before Romans 8:28 was even written. Another amazing thing about Joseph. You know, but it's easy for us to look back on, but Joseph for years did not know this. Okay. He's 30 when he stands before Pharaoh. I believe he was 17 when his brother sold him. So for 13 years of bad things happening to him, 13 years of mistreatment and just unfairness. And then finally he starts to find out why. And and so, you know, this is good. The story's starting to get good. And so let's point. So. Just a few facts, though, before we kind of get into the main thing, uh, the main points of this message. So first off, you know, while Joseph was in a horrible place, think about this. Okay, let's, let's start looking at the bright side of some things. While Joseph was in a terrible place being in prison, at least he wasn't dead. Because do you all remember? His brothers were going to kill him. That was what his brothers originally intended to do. But you know what? The Lord delivered him from death. And yeah, he became a slave, but it's better than being killed, right? I mean, especially when you see what was coming later. Okay. So also, while Joseph was a slave, things were pretty good for him, weren't they? Because, I mean, think about it. He was in charge of Potiphar's house, and the Lord was blessing Potiphar's house in a great way. So Joseph is no doubt enjoying the riches and luxury of being in charge, uh, being the steward of Potiphar's house. So while he's a slave, you know, he's doing pretty good, okay? You know, it'd be, it'd be kind of nice to just be, you know, the slave or the servant for like an Elon Musk or somebody like that that's just a billionaire. You know, you know he's going to want to keep you around the house, and it's probably going to be a nice place, okay? You know, we like to think that they always have slaves in dungeons and out in dirty cabins and things like that, but, you know... You know, there's some people today, it'd be nice to be their servant because they, you know, they if, if they treat their servants good. And Joseph, I'm sure he got treated great because his, the Potiphar's house was prospering greatly and they knew why. So, but he could still complain that he was a slave. So, and then also another thing is while Joseph was a prisoner, things were as good as could be for a prisoner because we saw before how Joseph was basically put in charge of the prison. 
Because God just kept blessing everything that Joseph touched, no matter, because God's hand was on Joseph. And so even though these are bad situations, God made it as good as it possibly could be because God had a plan to do something greater with him. So now let's do a little comparison. And I hate to even do a comparison because in reality, there is no comparison, but we all think there is. So let me do this. All right. So let's compare us, you know, this situation of Joseph to, to those of us who live in 2020. Okay. All right. Let's make some comparisons. All right. So first off, we are not in hell and we actually deserve that. You ever thought about that? We say that all the time. We deserve to be in hell with our back broke. But yet, you know, when we get a flat tire, we're like, Lord, why? You know, you ever thought about that? You know, and, you know, so the truth is, you know, we're still living. We're on the top side of the soil. We're doing pretty good while we're living, while we are living through the, and nobody would deny this, the, a massive assault on liberty during a pandemic. We're all doing pretty good, aren't we? I mean, we still got a lot of luxuries, don't we? We, you know, we have automobiles. We're driving to church, and you know, we're we're in a pretty nice building, even as a church. God has blessed us greatly during this year. You know, we're doing good as individuals, and but yes, we are living through an assault on liberty. Yes, we are living through a pandemic, but yet God is still doing good things, and God did the same good things through, for Joseph too. You know, God blessed Joseph even though it was a difficult time. Now. If right now, if we were all going crazy and being weird, you know, because of all that's going on, you know, people would understand, well, you know, you got the COVID crazies, you know, I mean, it's because of the government, it's because of the oppression, it's because of all these things, or, you know, we, a lot of people would understand that, but the truth is, you know, we really don't have a good reason to be too crazy right now, but, uh, any, but we, you know, it's, a, it's about how we look at things, you know, are we a glass half, glass half empty or half full type people? And so also any year, think about this too, about this year, this is a year where we have had multiple illegal services. Yet, even though nobody's bothered, you know, the police haven't bothered us. Even when they called the cops on us, we were in the other building and they showed up, they didn't bother us. Isn't, isn't that, is that not a blessing? That's a huge blessing, folks. You know, it's not like that everywhere in America. We've got places in America right now where they are fining churches thousands and thousands of dollars, even though these churches are literally worshiping the government right now and having services where they're singing all these patriotic songs and flying all these flags and doing pledge allegiance to a flag while they have to do outdoor services. that, That blows my mind. But you know what? And listen, we live in Illinois, and we don't have to do that. Think about that. I mean, literally, we've got one of the worst governors in the entire union. And I, I don't think he's probably the worst. I think Gretchen and a few of the others got him beat. But at the same time, you know, here we are today. Maybe I shouldn't say this, you know, with the government live stream. You know, the governor might get you know, word. And, you know, I'll, I'll show you who's the worst governor because I, I think he thinks it's a competition. And he's trying to win. But there's, there's some crazies he's got to go up against. But either way, you know, if we wanted to, we could try to despair over some things. And you know what? Joseph definitely could have despaired over some things if he'd have chosen to. But you know what? The truth is, God is paying very close attention to what is going on in our lives, just like God was paying very close attention to Joseph's life. When Joseph was going through all those things, God was paying very close attention. In fact, God wasn't just looking at Joseph that day. God was looking in the future. God saw what was coming. And because God knew what was coming, God allowed Joseph to go through these things because he knew that, hey, man, if you knew what was coming, you'd be okay with this, Joseph. And you know what? Joseph, he was okay with it just because he trusted God. And it definitely worked out for good. And so, uh, you know, let's let now. So now what I want to do, let's look at the at this or some things as individuals. All right. Think about yourself in your own life. Okay. Everyone in this church has some kind of baggage, has some kind of history that's tragic. And, you know, if we opened up the floor tonight and allowed people to start testifying, we could probably have some, hear some stories that would have us all crying about things that we've dealt with, about mistakes we've made, about things that have been done to us. I mean, we could all probably do that if we wanted to. And so what everybody needs, though, when it comes to things from their past that are bad 
is what we need is what God gave Joseph. We need that Manasseh and Ephraim is what we need. In other words, we need to forget and be fruitful. And we need to ask God to help us with that, okay? Listen, it's real easy for me to just get up here and just say, you know what, forget all all your past problems. You know, forget about what people have done to you in the past. Just forget it and move on. It's easy for me to say that, but you all know if you've ever dealt with anything, it's often hard to forget. And you know what? You need God to give that to you. You need God to bless you with a Manasseh and an Ephraim. You need to ask him to help you to forget so you could go on and be fruitful. And so let's look at, though, what I believe I think we can see in this chapter some things that God did that helped Joseph forget and helped Joseph to be fruitful that I think we can learn from or get some principles from and hopefully help us get some victory in our life. So look at what it says in verse 37. Let's go back to verse 37. It says, And the thing was good in the eyes of Pharaoh. This is after Joseph suggests setting a wise man over everything. And in the eyes of all his servants, and Pharaoh said unto his servants, Can we find such a one as this? Is a man in whom the Spirit of God is? And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, For as much as God hath showed thee all this, there is none so discreet and wise as thou art. Thou shalt be over my house, and according unto thy word shall all my people be ruled. Only in the throne will I be greater than thou. You realize what Pharaoh just did? Pharaoh basically just gave Joseph the responsibility of saving the whole country. See, that's a pretty big task right there. Hey, Joseph, I mean, it's been revealed. He knows there are seven horrible years that are coming. And Pharaoh tells him, you're in charge of saving everybody's life. That's a pretty big deal right there. And so it says in verse 41, And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, See, I have set thee over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh took off his ring from his hand and put it upon Joseph's hand and arrayed him in vestures of fine linen and put a gold chain about his neck. And he made him to ride in the second chariot which he had. And they cried before him, bow the knee, and he made him ruler over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without thee shall no man lift his hand or his foot in all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh called Joseph's name Zaphnapaniah, and he gave him to wife Asenath, the daughter of Potiphar, a priest of On. And Joseph went out over all the land of Egypt. So notice, first thing that we see happen is that Joseph... I think one of the reasons God helped Joseph forget is because Joseph now realized is that he has been saved from what was to come. Joseph knows what's coming down the road now, and he is as protected as anyone could be. Because think about it. If Joseph is second in command, he's going to be the second to last one to die. You know, that's, you know, that's a pretty good position. You know, whenever we think about the, you know, the, the economy tanking and the monetary system failing, you know, we all know that the politicians and the higher ups are going to be just fine. It's the rest of us that are in trouble, right? And so, you know, if you can like, have a position when it all goes down, you kind of like to be at the top because at least, you know, you'll be taking, you know, the kings are always taken care of. And Joseph, he's in a very secure position now. He was just in the prison yesterday, but now, he literally is in his, the safest spot you could possibly be in. And you know what? God put him there. God did that. God did that for him. And so now that Joseph has a full understanding of what's coming and what his current position is, he now feels like the last years were nothing. Hey, if I was still at my father's house, I couldn't have done anything about this. I couldn't have done anything you know, to, say, to save my family or to, or to save these people. And so it didn't seem like anything anymore. Now think about this, all right? So, you know, Joseph was saved from what was to come. Well, as Christians, okay, everyone that that are here today, if you're saved, you have been saved from the wrath to come. You have been saved from the penalty of hell. Now think about this. And and this is going to be different for everybody. This is something you need to think about. Think about all the things that led to your salvation. You know, a lot of the tragedies and things that we've been through and a lot of the hard times that we've been through are some of the things, the key events that led us to Christ. If it had not been for some of those things, you may never have hit rock bottom. You may have never come to the point where you realize that you needed a Savior. And so, yeah, that thing that you went through was really bad, but if God used that bad thing to help you finally come to salvation, you know what? You should be thankful for it. Because let me tell you something, there is nothing that you can go through on this earth 
that is worse than hell. And you might think, man, if I hadn't gone through that, you know, this would have been better in my life. This would have been better. I had all these things going better for me. But you might have went to hell. So what we, I think what Joseph did after Joseph, anytime he started thinking about, you know, what he went through, he would immediately realize, hey, if I hadn't went through that, I'd die in the famine. But yet, here I am, second in command of all of Egypt. You know what? Who cares about that? And you know what? Who cares about those things from your past? You can't change those things. You know what? You might as well just thank God that those things led you to salvation because you're going to miss the worst thing that could ever come, and that's an eternity in hell. And I think that's the mindset he got. And when he got a hold of that, he was able to forget it. And you know what? I'm not, I'm not upset anymore. I'm not bitter about it anymore. You know, and, you know, think, you know, so think about all the things that, you know, led to your salvation. A lot of people, they often lament the fact, you know, I wish I'd have been raised in a religious home. But you know what? We talk to people every day out souling their relate, you know, raised in religious homes. They think you have to work your way to heaven. You know, they haven't done a lot of the bad things that maybe you did, but they also think because they haven't done those bad things, they're going to go to heaven someday. And you know what? They're not willing to believe the gospel because they're, they're all self-righteous. They're full of themselves. And one of these days, they're going to die and go to hell where you're not. So, I mean, are you sure you'd rather be in their position? I mean, we don't know where we would be, you know, had it not been for the things that God brought us through. You know, some people, or because some of you lived a wicked life in the past, you know, you were privileged to hit rock bottom. So you would be in a position to see your need for a savior. I'd say it's worth it. I mean, I'd hate to go to prison, but a lot of people get saved in prison. I think that'd be worth it. It'd be better to go to prison here on this earth than the eternal prison of the lake of fire. So, you know, something, I don't know, maybe this is just me. You know, I think about these things. You know, we all love time travel movies, right? You know, we've all think, you know, what if I could go back in time and change something, you know? Or, or we, and sometimes, you know, you, you think about those past mistakes. It's like, man, what if I could go back and change something? But, you know, this is just the way my mind works. When I start thinking about going back in time, it kind of freaks me out because it's like if I went back in time, if I changed things too much, I might not have some of the kids that we have. Because, you know, how do you make all that work exactly the way it did? Where you get all the same kids, you know, and it's just like, you know, if I could go back in time, I wouldn't because I'd be afraid of changing something. And so even though there's stuff, you know, single events that, you know, you wish you could erase and wish never happened, you know, those things all kind of led to another and led where I'm at today. And you know what? I don't want to change anything. You know, I, I don't, I don't want to change that. And the truth is most of you in here, if you did have the chance to go back in time, you wouldn't want to either because you just might mess something up that would cause you to lose something really great that God put in your life. And understand, you know, God knows better. God knows a lot more than we do. And so Joseph, though, he did receive the privilege while he was on earth to find out the why of God's will. Because I think at this point now, he gets it. At this point now, he's like, you know what? I understand why God allowed my brothers to sell me. I understand why I was allowed to be a slave. I understand why I was allowed to go to prison. Because it was going to, if, if he hadn't gone to prison, he never would have interpreted those men's dreams. And those men wouldn't have known to tell Pharaoh about them. All the, everything that happened had to happen the way that it did for things to work out. And so, and Joseph was privileged of finding out why. Now, we don't always get that privilege. You know, there's going to be things and there have, there's probably some things that you all have gone through that you will never know why God did those things. You'll never know why God allowed that to happen. You'll, you'll, just never, you'll never know but until you get to heaven. But, you know, you might find out. You know, God might let you know here on this earth. But either way, whether you find out or whether you don't find out, Romans 8, 28 is still always true. And we know that all things work together for good to them who love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. So, Anyone in here could easily upset themselves over past mistakes, but it was many of those mistakes you made that God used to lead you where you're at today. And so you might have some scars that you don't like, but maybe you have some children that you don't want the scars are worth it. You know, maybe you have a spouse and she that you wouldn't have had and she's worth it. 
You know, and there's, there's a lot of things that we could take into consideration. And, you know, it's good to sometimes just think about that. Think about all the things that God allowed in your life that led you to salvation. You know, I mean, and it's different for everybody. But, I mean, just, it, it, it might have just been like one key event that kind of led you to salvation. Had it not been for that one thing, you might have totally missed the boat on that. You know, it's, it's hard to say. You know, everybody have their own testimony. But these are things that we ought to think about. And, cause, and here's the thing. Thinking about these things is where God is going to help you get that, find that Manasseh in your life and have, help you have that Manasseh in your life where you can say, you know what? The Lord has made me to forget. Too many people today just can't get over some of the things from their past. They let them keep them down. They let them keep them discouraged. And you know, you just got to pray, Lord, give me a Manasseh. Help me forget. And I believe Joseph was able to forget because he got a hold. He, he understood what he was saved from. And I believe that made a big difference. Now look at verse 46. Another thing that I believe, this is what helped Joseph then to go on and be fruitful. So, cause that's that name Ephraim means. It means double fruit. And so God made him to be fruitful. Now notice what it says in verse 46. And Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from the presence of the Pharaoh and went throughout all the land of Egypt. So now think about this. As Joseph was on this mission to prepare Egypt for what was coming, he now has a new mission. He's got a new purpose, and it's saving others. So think about it. It was, it was Joseph that Pharaoh sent over all the land of Egypt so he could tell people what to do, so he could help people, so he could prepare people. He can go from town to town and say, all right, this is what you need to do. This is how you're going to, you know, you're going to preserve things. This is how, how you're going to save the food that you need and how you're going to store it over the next years. Because if you don't get this done, if you don't accomplish this, you're all going to die. And think about that as Joseph went from town to town and he's meeting all these people, people he'd never met before. You know, you know, as he is going through these villages and he's seeing these little children run through these villages that would be dying before they were adults if it were not for Joseph. As he's getting a look at all these people, thousands and thousands of people whose lives are going to be saved because of what he's doing. You know what? I, that would help me forget about what I went through. Man, you see some mom, she's got a bunch of little kids with her, think, she would have to watch them starve to death if it wasn't for what God had done in Joseph's life. You know what? I'd rather go to prison and be the head, head guy in a prison than to watch my kids starve to death. I can't imagine, you know, how helpless I would feel as a parent. And in America, we don't, even, we hardly even know what that's like to just wonder what it's like to just be without food and to wonder if you're going to make it. We've got so many programs that can, help get food. We just have such an abundance of food in this country. But that wasn't the way it was back then. And with what was to come, that would have been a reality where people are going to be starving to death. Parents are going to be watching their kids starve. And as Joseph is meeting these people, all of a sudden now, it's just like, you know what? Who cares about me anymore? You know, who cares about me? There's a multitude of people whose lives need saving and we need to help these people. We need to prepare them what was to come. And so as Christians, you know what? We need to take the time to get out of our own little bubble, to get out of our own little world and look into the eyes of people who are heading for eternal punishment. There are people that are literally, they have no idea what's coming. You know, if it wasn't for Joseph, none of those people in Egypt would have known what was coming. Now, Joseph knows what's coming. Joseph knows what's coming, but as he goes in these villages, these people are going through, everything's fine, nobody's panicking, everything's, it's just, it's just another day for them, and as everybody's going through the village, going through the land, nobody knows what's going to come, and if Joseph doesn't let them know what's coming, then these people are just going to go on their merry way, they're not going to prepare, and they're all going to die eventually. But Joseph, he steps in, and he does something about it, and you know what? That's what I believe that will help us as Christians to forget is if we, if we, if we let God use us to be fruitful and to go out and reach other people with the gospel. Because, I mean, think about this. All right. Now think about, and, and, and this is another thing too. We, we believe it by faith. Okay. You know, don't you wish that everybody that we helped get saved showed the appreciation that they should? 
I mean, you know, you should be pretty thankful when somebody gives you the gospel, shouldn't you? Hopefully you never forget the one who gave you the gospel and got you saved. They should always be somebody that is special to you because that is a wonderful thing. That's, that's, that's a great blessing to have that. And, but yet I think, uh, a lot of times we do, we do, we just forget these things and a lot of people out there forget, but you know what? Hey, we know if these people didn't get saved, you know, you think about some of those people you led to the Lord. And so, yeah, you went through some bad things in your life and those things are horrible, but why don't you get a hold of the fact that, you know what? It was those terrible things that led you to a place of salvation. And now not only are you not going to hell, but there's a lot of other people not going to hell too. Because you went, you gave them the gospel. I don't know about you, but that, I mean, that's one of the things that motivates me. That's one of the things that keeps me going. Because there's people out there, they're heading for hell and they don't even know it. But when we go and we warn them and we tell them and they believe the gospel, they get saved. We see in Hebrews 12 too, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest he be wearied and faint in your minds. You have not resisted unto blood, striving against sin. We need to use, let other people be the motivation for us. That's what Jesus, that's what motivated Jesus Christ. When he was suffering, he thought about what we were going to get out of it. And so you know what? He endured the cross, even though he despised the shame. And you know, we might not like a lot of things that are going on in our lives, but at the same time, you know what we need to do? We need to endure those things and say, I'll do it for other people. If it'll help get other people saved, you know what? I will endure those things. Paul said in Philippians 3.13, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So I do. I believe at some point along the way, when Joseph was praying Egypt, he got a hold of the fact that a multitude of people we're going to survive as a result of what God allowed to happen to him. And I do. I think if, at some point, if you win enough souls for Christ, you're going to have a hard time feeling sorry for yourself because of the things that you've gone through. Because you're going to realize, man, if I hadn't gone through those things, not only would I be heading for hell, but there's a lot of other people that would be heading for hell too. So, you know what? Thank God. Thank God that, you know, God is able to use your suffering that you went through to bring eternal joy to so many people. I think that's a great privilege, if you ask me. We need to get a hold of that. I think Joseph got a hold of that, and that's why he named his children Manasseh and Ephraim. So look at, uh, turn over to Ephesians chapter 4. See, so once Joseph forgot about the past wrongs done to him, he then was able to just move on and become fruitful. Look what it says in Ephesians chapter 4. I need to turn over there, I didn't put it in my notes. And verse 11. says, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the sight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they uh, lie in wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love, may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, for whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, making maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth not walk as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their minds. So notice what uh, Paul's saying right here. We're all, as a church, for example, we're all a part of a body, right? And God has, you know, everybody has different parts, but they're all supposed to work together. And so the truth is, everyone who is saved is capable of being fruitful. Everyone. And and just because, too, and this is something else you got to get a hold of, just because an individual might be disqualified from a specific role in the church, it doesn't mean they're not capable of producing fruit in that area. Okay? For example, you know, there can only be one pastor of the church, 
But the truth is, if you all help me, and you all are a blessing to me as a part of the body of Christ, then what I produce is your fruit also. That's one of the great things about being a part of a church. Not only do you as an indiv- you know, are you as an individual doing works you're going to get rewards for, but you're going to get credit for what the whole body does. Okay? What, the, what this church accomplishes, okay, the, you know, I don't get all the rewards for those things. And it's not even, a, well, just each person in the church gets their own rewards. And you're going to get your own personal rewards. But I do, I believe what we accomplish together as a church, we're going to see rewards we weren't expecting. And so just you being a help, being an encouragement, you just you know, lifting up others, bearing others' burdens, that type of thing is going to help make a difference. And you're going to receive rewards for those things, and you, and you get fruits. Some of the fruit that is produced, you all have claim to some of that. Some of the fruit that you know, I mean, as a pastor, I mean, I'm I'm full time here at the church. If and I'm if I'm being paid from your tithes and offerings, you don't think you're not getting any credit for the work that I do during the week? You're definitely getting credit. You better believe that God is keeping track of that. And that's going on your account too. So the truth is, if you, when you're a part of a church, you can be fruitful. You know, every Christian is capable of being fruitful. Anything that our church accomplishes is your accomplishment. And you know what? Thank God for that. And that's what we need. You know, that's why so many people today are just empty in their lives because they just feel like, you know, my whole life is pointless. You know, why, why am I even here? Why am I even living? They go, they go through life and they're looking at themselves and they're thinking about all the terrible things that have been done to them. They're thinking about all the betrayal that they've gone through. They're thinking about, you know, just the, the, you know, hard times, the tragedies. They're thinking about the things they lost. And folks, if you live a life long enough on this earth, there's a lot of bad stuff that's going to happen. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. We're all going to go, if the longer we live, the more funerals we're going to go to. The longer we live, the more hurt that's going to be done to us. The more more betrayal there's going to be. There's going to be a lot of bad things that happen to us the longer we live. But the truth is, you know, we ought to be okay with that. You know, we can also, that's more good we can do too. That's more that we can help. And so the thing is, if, if your life is just about you, you're going to be miserable. Because there are plenty of things. But when you start to realize and get a hold of the fact that you know what, God can use your life to produce something good, not just for yourself, but for other people. That he could, that God can use you to help save souls from hell. That's a pretty good purpose right there. In fact, that's a greater purpose than what most, most people in this world have. A lot of people think purpose is just having money and fame and power and things like that. Folks, that's nothing. These, those people are miserable. Look at all these famous people that are always killing themselves and on drugs and things. You know, you look at people, you know, like Robin Williams, who, you know, was loved by so many people, who made so many people laugh and entertained so many people. But what did he do? He hung himself. You know why? Because he was miserable. Because, why? He was empty. All he's done is made people laugh. I mean, and you know what? There's nothing wrong with making people laugh and putting a smile on people's face. But where's the real value in that? Is there any eternal value in that? You know, you can, you know, you can make somebody laugh today. Great, you made them feel good, but you might still be crying tomorrow. You know, the things that we're interested in as Christians are eternal, things that last forever. And folks, there's no greater thing that you can do than be a spiritual blessing to people, to tell people about heaven. And when, when you get a hold of that, you're going to realize, man, I have a purpose. I have a reason for being here. If I, even Even if I, as a Christian... I just live a normal life. I live a godly life. And I'm just getting, even if you just get like a handful of people saved every year, that's a huge accomplishment. If you can just succeed in raising godly children that will grow up and be godly adults, and then they'll go and win souls, you've accomplished a great thing right right there too. You know, there is a mass exodus from church today. Young people are leaving. Churches are shrinking today. You know, fewer and fewer people are going to churches, or at least real churches. And think about it, if churches just kept what they had, and the people in the churches were physically reproducing, church would grow. You know, our church has grown a lot from reproducing, you know, and, and that's a good thing. But, you know, most churches, they, they can't even hang on to what they've got. You know, they're, they're losing people. 
And you know what? People are falling for this idea that my purpose is just to come and be entertained and you know, get what I can, so they're going to these fun center churches. Only to find out you can have more fun in the world. If fun's what you're after, you know, go to the regular rock concert rather than the Christian rock concert. You're not getting anything spiritual from that. And that's what people that's what people are doing. It's empty. It's worthless. And you know what? People end up giving up. They end up despairing just trying to get whatever they can for themselves. But Joseph, you know what? Joseph was able to move on because he had something to live for. Every day he's going through Egypt and he's looking in the eyes of people who would have been starving to death in a few years, but now they're going to be able to live. And you know what? We need to understand there's people out there and we need it. We, when we go out in these communities and we go out and we're trying to give people the gospel, every time you get somebody saved, you know what? Let that be a reminder that anything you've gone through, it was worth it for that one soul. One soul is worth more than all that this world can offer. So we, we, need to, we need to keep that in mind. So we should never let past failures stop us from striving to be as much like Christ as possible. And truth is, the, the world and even other Christians, you know, hopefully they'll start seeing some similarities between us and Christ. Isn't that what we want? We're supposed to try to be like Christ. And I think it's interesting too because I love, I think this is just amazing. Again, we've talked before, uh, we didn't really talk about it in this message, just a lot of the similarities between Jesus and Joseph. But let me point out a very interesting similarity between Joseph and Jesus in this passage. Look at verse 55. It says, When all the land of Egypt was famished, the people cried to Pharaoh for bread. And Pharaoh said unto all the Egyptians, Go unto Joseph, what he saith to you, do. Okay? Now, turn over to John chapter 2. When I read that passage, it reminded me of another passage. Anybody remember anybody else before looking at it who said something very similar? Who said it? Mary. Absolutely right. Look what it says in John 2. And the third day there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee. The mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus saith unto them, they have no wine. Jesus saith unto her, woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. His mother saith unto the servants, whatsoever he saith to you, do it. Isn't that the same thing that Pharaoh said? Now, obviously, this need was not near as great as the one they had back then where people were starving to death. They're just at a wedding and they're just, they're out of wine. But you know what? No matter how big, how small, Jesus can take care of it. And I love how she just, you know, she just immediately sees a need. And this is the first miracle that Jesus did. This was his first miracle. And I don't personally believe he did any miracles before this. I know the Bible doesn't record any because the Bible calls this his first miracle. How did she know that he could do something about that if he's never done any miracles? You know why? Because she had faith in Jesus Christ. And she immediately sees a need and she just, I mean, just her just instinct, go to Jesus. Hey, you, hey, they're out of wine. And, you know, and he says, what am I to do with you? My hour has not yet come. And then she does. She just looks at those servants. Whatever he says to you, do. That's exactly what, how Pharaoh felt when he looked at Joseph. He's like, man, I don't know what to do, but you know what? Whatever he says, do. Just, you know what? Look to Joseph. You know, that's the way we need to be when it comes to Jesus Christ. Whenever we are struggling, whenever we come across somebody that's got a difficulty in their life, our immediate response is, I'll be, hey, Jesus, whatever he says, do. You know, trust God. Whatever he says, we ought to be the same way towards Jesus Christ. And, you know, and why, and now, and why are we like that? Or why, why should we be like that? Why was Pharaoh like that? Pharaoh had seen what Joseph was capable of. Pharaoh had seen the wisdom in Joseph. And for us as Christians who are here today because of, and it was God that got us to where we're at today, we ought to be the same way. Like, you know what? I didn't get where I'm at today because of my planning. I didn't get where I'm at today because of, you know, what I, my own wisdom. I'm here today because of Jesus Christ. And so whenever anybody's in a tough spot, you know what? Our attitude ought to be just, hey, Whatever Jesus says, do. Well, I don't know how that's going to end up. I don't either. But he does. He does. And he'll take care of it. And we, boy, we need more and more people to have some Manassas and some Ephraims. Lord, help me forget and help me be fruitful. And I believe some of these things we see here with Joseph show us how the Lord may choose to help us forget the things from our past and how to move on 
and be fruitful. You know what? Thank God that he is able to use sinners. Thank God that uh, what, how he is able to take somebody's life and to transform it. That, you know, thank God for that. And it's sad when you see people who've been saved for a long time, but yet they don't get to this point, and they never get to this point in their life where they're able to have that Manasseh and Ephraim. They're not able to just forget and move on and be fruitful. And you know what? I, I, you know, any, any Christian that would just badger somebody in the church and be down on people in the church because of their past is a pretty sorry Christian that just doesn't understand a whole lot about the Bible and doesn't understand a whole lot about forgiveness. And, you know, people as, as Christians, you know, it's okay. I mean, it's, it's understandable we'd be ashamed of mistakes and things that we've done. But at the same time, you know what? Move on from it. You know, you don't have to, don't keep living in it. Don't keep dwelling on it. You know, just just move forward. And if anything, when you do look back on those times, you look back on them as a way to rejoice and talk about what God did. And and a lot of people too, when they give their testimony, you know, it, you know, you have, you have some people that get up and it's just like a woe is me testimony. And I hate that, you know, but I love, I love when people get up and they give those testimonies and they talk about a lot of big mistakes, but it's, it's a happy ending. You know, they're, they understand they're where they're at because of those things. Folks, that's a blessing. You know how many people are out there that need that right now? Man, this world is just, it's so wicked and, you know, more and more uh, sin is just acceptable and it still has the same consequences. It still comes with the same shame and people need to understand that they can, they can put those things behind them through Jesus Christ. And so we need to help them do that. So with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for your word. Dear God, I pray this was a help and encouragement to everybody in here. Lord, help us to all give birth to some Manassas and Ephraims in our life, that you'll help everyone in here, Lord, that maybe has some difficulty in their past or some difficult things they've gone through. Lord, help them to just forget those things. Lord, I pray you will give them that forgiveness or that forgetfulness that only you are capable of, and then you will help them to go on and also be fruitful. We thank you for uh, your word and help it gives us. In your name we pray. Amen.